Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today is going to be taken from the reading we heard in 2 Timothy. You may be seated. And we begin with the word of prayer. Mighty Father, we give you thanks for your word. Lord, that you have shown us your will, that we would repent of our sins and believe on your Son, Jesus Christ, that you have revealed this will to us through the pages of Holy Scripture. We pray today, Lord, that as this word is heard again by us, you would grant us your Holy Spirit, so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. So this week, I actually remembered uh, this to put the slide in now for our memory work for the Rooted and Growing Stewardship Campaign. There it is, Colossians 2, 6, and 7. And what I'm encouraging you to do is to, to take this verse home and, and memorize it and, and focus in on it here throughout these weeks as we are going through this series. And so today, let's start off our service, our sermon, I should say, uh, by reading it together. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Again, this is the, the theme verse for this stewardship capital campaign that we are in right now. And, and what we're doing throughout this campaign, as I mentioned at the beginning of the service, is we're talking about what it means for us here at Community Lutheran Church in Escondido and San Marcos to be rooted in the Word and the work of God. And then how that Word and work of God brings forth growth in our lives and in our congregation. Now these first three Sundays, we're focusing on the rooted aspect of this. And starting next week, we're going to get more into the growing aspect of this. But just to bring you up to speed, in case you haven't been with us, or in case you have been with us and you've uh, been sleeping through the sermons, uh, what we've seen in the last few weeks is that as the people of God here at CLC, we are rooted in the creative work of our, of our God. He is our creator, which means he has made everything in heaven and on earth. And he is a creator who gives to us all good gifts. He is a giving God. Then last week we talked about how though we receive these gifts, we are great sinners and we have rebelled against him and placed ourselves uh, in slavery to sin and to death. But God, being rich in mercy, has sent His Son, has given His Son to be our Redeemer. And Christ has come to rescue us from the domain of darkness and to bring us into His kingdom where there is redemption, the forgiveness of all of our sins. Now this week what we want to do is we want to focus in on life in this kingdom of light, life in the kingdom of God, and how God continues to work on us in this kingdom, when we're going to figure this out by talking about this doctrine of sanctification. Boy, now you're excited. Here we go. Sanctification. Okay, now if you're following along at home, you will notice the pattern here has been following uh, the creeds, creation, redemption, and sanctification. We're just talking about the work of God, basically, in our lives and in our congregation. Now, what we want to do is to talk about sanctification, we do need to do a little grammar work here because Sanctification is a big Bible word, and you run across it a lot, but it's not a word we use uh, regularly in our everyday conversation. So we need to think a little bit about what we mean when we say sanctification. Now, usually when we talk about sanctification, we talk about it beside another very important Bible word, justification. 
We need to define these two together. They always go together, but we always it's crucial for us to keep them distinct. Justification is this. It kind of goes along with redemption. It's a courtroom uh, metaphor. And what it says is, is that you are guilty in thought, word, and deed. You are born a sinner in your condition, and you stand condemned before God. Except for the fact that, as we just mentioned, God has sent Christ to justify you. And he does this by taking credit for all of your sins. And it's like you're in a courtroom, and Jesus is declared guilty for your sins, so that you are declared innocent. You are declared righteous. That's justification. God looks upon you on account of Christ and says, not guilty. And that is the verdict for you. I hope you know this. This is absolutely true for you. In the eyes of God, you are righteous. You are not guilty, not because of your own work or performance, but because of what Christ has done for you, dying in your place, taking credit for all of your sins, and giving you credit for his righteousness. You are forgiven. You are justified. You are free. Paul says it this way. There's no condemnation left for you in Christ Jesus. So that's justification. And that always comes first. But that's now followed by sanctification. And sanctification is what God is doing for you after you leave the courtroom. After you've been declared righteous now, how does that life look? What does it mean to live in this justified existence? That's where sanctification takes place. I was trying to think of a good analogy for sanctification, and, and I thought of a movie I saw many, many years ago. I think it came out in the late 90s. Uh, it was a very powerful movie, uh, not a very delightful movie, but a pretty powerful movie uh, called American History X. And American History X is, is a movie about uh, a guy named Derek who is a white supremacist and very influential in a white supremacist gang. Uh, Derek goes to jail for murdering two black men. But because of a particular technicality, he only has to stay in jail for double homicide for two years. It's an interesting movie. While he's there, however, uh, with all of his hatred and his bitterness and his racism and all of these things, he is befriended by a guy named Lamont. Lamont is a black man there in the prison. And Lamont shows him kindness. Lamont shows him mercy. Lamont makes him smile and befriends him. And suddenly, throughout this time in prison, you see uh, Derek change. Because one whom he thought was his enemy loves him. One whom he thought was his enemy and opposed to him actually befriends him and shows him mercy and kindness. We might even say there's a level of forgiveness. And while in prison, Derek is freed. He's freed from his sin. He's freed from his hatred. He's freed from his bitterness. And then his sentence is up and he goes home. He goes back to the old neighborhood. And what he finds is, is that when he gets to the old neighborhood, things haven't changed. He's been made new. He's been redeemed, forgiven, set free, all of these things. But now he finds himself in a world where none of those things have taken place in the minds and the hearts of other people. And he's constantly being enticed and tempted to come back into his old hateful ways, to come back into the old practices of the old gang. And he's also trying to figure out how to teach his uh, younger brother how not to fall in to those sinful mentalities. That's a good picture of how sanctification kind of works for us. You are righteous. You are set free. You have been redeemed and you're out of prison. But now you go back into the old neighborhood. And there in the old neighborhood, 
The old, the old sinful ways are still holding sway. The old gang is still there. Martin Luther uh, reminds us very well that there are three kind of members of this old gang working against us. The devil, the world, and our flesh. And it's the devil who comes along and wants to take away faith from you. He wants you to stop believing in Jesus Christ, and he wants to cause you to doubt. And he employs the siren songs of the world to entice you back into the old sinful way of life. He's constantly calling you back in through the messages and, and, and the attitudes and the thoughts and the practices of the world. He's trying to use them to bring you away from Jesus Christ. And working against us in all of this is our old sinful flesh. Our old sinful flesh that seems to understand slavery much better than it understands freedom. So we're constantly being drawn and tempted back into these old sinful ways by the old neighborhood. And we have to fight against the devil. We have to fight against the world. We have to fight against the flesh. And if it were up to us alone to try and do this, we would lose. We would fail. We are yet far too weak until Christ comes again. But sanctification is the teaching that God has not left you alone in this, but in fact has given you the Holy Spirit. And as the book of Galatians says, the Spirit now is at war with the flesh. The work of the Holy Spirit in your life is to fight against the old sinful nature, to protect you from the false teachings of the world, and, and to protect you from the attacks of the devil. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He gives you the Word of God to protect you, to renew you, to teach you the truth of who you are and who Christ has saved you to be. This is the work of God in sanctification. So you could think of it this way. Justification is what God does for you. Sanctification is the work that God is doing on you, or in you, or through you, something like this. But even here now, we must be very careful. Because that in you language can be kind of tricky. If I tell you that Jesus lives in your heart, that's true. He does live within your heart. And if I tell you that the Holy Spirit dwells within you, that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, that is true. It's a wonderful thing. But here's where we run into trouble. When we start to think that what that means is every thought I have, every feeling I have, every impression I have is from the Holy Spirit. And if I want to know what the Holy Spirit is saying, and if I want to know what the Holy Spirit is doing, I need to look within. That's not true. See, looking within, that's the language of the old neighborhood. That's the way the devil wants you to work. He wants you to focus in on yourself and your feelings and your impressions. What the Holy Spirit is doing in you is actually teaching you the opposite of that. His work is to get you to stop looking within and to start looking outside of yourself to Jesus Christ. To start looking outside of yourself for God's will in the Scriptures. That's where the Holy Spirit is at work on you. And the pages of scriptures. That is, in fact, God's word given to you. See, the Holy Spirit isn't floating around zapping you with impressions. He works in a very concrete way. He works by means. He works by means of his word. And we are to never go looking for the Holy Spirit outside of his word. It's this word of scripture then that sanctifies us. As Paul says in the book of Romans, that renews our mind. The scriptures are very much like what Lamont was uh, for Derek in prison there in that movie. They there to, they're there to open our eyes to the truth, 
and to lead us in paths of righteousness. His word, as we just sang, is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Sanctify us, then, is to direct us away from the sinful flesh and to take us to Jesus by means of that word. See, to be sanctified is another way of saying to be made holy. And actually, there is really only one holy thing in the whole world. And that thing is actually the person of Jesus Christ. So in order to be made holy, it's not about you improving your moral character, though that may become part of it, but rather being made holy means being closer and closer and closer to Jesus. That's why the Spirit gives us the Word, because it's by means of the Word that He delivers Jesus to us. You are holy because the Spirit has made you holy by giving you Jesus. That's actually why we call Him the Holy Spirit, because His job is to sanctify to holify. Holify is not a very nice way of saying it. To make you holy, all right? And this is what he does. And the scriptures tells us, he tell us uh, that he does this by means of the words on the page, by means of, script, uh, of the scriptures being preached into our ears, and by means of Christ coming to us in, in water and baptism and in bread and wine and the Lord's Supper. This is what we learn, that this is where Jesus is at work, where the Spirit's delivering Christ to us. We get all of this from the scriptures, and this is what Paul means when he says to Timothy today that you need to be studying these scriptures because they are the ones that make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The scriptures make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus because they give you Jesus. What's more, they continually show you your need for Jesus. They remind you of the fact that as you live in this old neighborhood, you are yet weak. And the old sinful nature still clings to you, and you have to fight against it alongside the Holy Spirit. This is why Paul says to Timothy, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be competent for every good work. That language of breathed out by God is fascinating because in, in the Greek and in the Hebrew, that breathed out word can also be translated spirited. This is the Spirit's work. The Holy Spirit is breathed out by God to show us Jesus, to show us our need for him so we can make it in this world on our way to eternal life. But now there's something very interesting in this passage that I think it's worth spending just a, just a minute on. And that's this phrase, man of God. What we need to understand here is that in this particular passage, Paul is not saying man of God generally, speaking of every Christian. Man of God is a technical term referring to an Old Testament way of talking. And in the Old Testament, the man of God was the messenger of God, the one who had beautiful feet to bring good news. This was one who was sent by God to bring God's word to God's people. And so I think the reason I want to bring this up to you, I think the reason uh, Paul says this is he's telling Timothy, listen, you need to know the scriptures to reprove, rebuke, correct, and train in righteousness to have that done to you, so that you can be this faithful man of God because the people of God, they need a preacher. They need someone who's going to come alongside and place this word into their ears so that that word gets into their heart. See, the picture in the scriptures is not you and me sitting by ourselves in our own little closets and reading the Bible and hearing from God. Rather, the way the scripture does the work is it says we gather together as the people of God to have the word of God read and preached that is applied to us directly in our lives. And so Paul says to Timothy, you need to know these scriptures 
so that you can do this faithfully. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Paul is saying, the church needs preachers. The church needs people to put the word in their ears. Notice what he doesn't say. Church needs preachers to keep them entertained on Sunday morning when they could be sleeping in. He doesn't say the church needs preachers to stand up and give you their opinions on politics and to tell you how you should vote. He doesn't say the, the church needs preachers to influence and persuade. He's saying the church needs the word of God placed in their ears and he sends preachers to do it. And this is why then I'm actually talking about these texts today for this rooted and growing campaign. Because these buildings where we meet, where we gather for worship, are the places of preaching. Martin Luther once said uh, that the church should be referred to as a mouth house. Because here is the way, the place where the Spirit takes His Word and puts it in your ears. This is where you come to hear, not the message of the old neighborhood that draws you back into sin, but the Word of Truth from the pages of Scripture delivered directly to you as a child of God for the forgiveness of your sins and the strengthening of your faith. This is the place, or in San Marcos at our campus, that is the place where you go and Christ has decided to work on you by means of the reading of Scripture, by means of the preaching, by means of water and baptism, and by means of bread and wine, which are His body and blood given to you to eat and drink for the forgiveness of your sins. Here is the place where the Holy Spirit instructs you in the truth, exposes the lies of the old neighborhood that would draw you back into sin. And the reality is, is that the old neighborhood is yet very tempting. Paul says the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but will have itching ears and they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Teachers to suit their own passions. Talking heads on television, 19 different podcasts, everything you want to sort of listen to in this world. It is a cacophony of voices all around us. Paul says, we must turn away from them, for they will teach us to turn away from the listening of the truth and wander off into myths. It is our prayer, and I hope it is your prayer, that Christ gives us his church, that he has given us CLC and Escondido and San Marcos, to be places where sound teaching is preached and learned, and listened to, and sung, and celebrated, and trusted. It is our prayer that all of our preaching and teaching is rooted in the Word of God. So that, when the old neighborhood seems to win, and the old sinful flesh causes you to fail, when your life is out of whack, you can always come back to this place. You can always go to San Marcos and know that the Word of God is still there in season and out of season to forgive you for your sins, to set you back on the right path. We need to gather here so that when your pastor is out of line, which it hasn't happened yet, but look out. The pastor is out of line. The congregation steeped in this Word is there to reprove and rebuke him, to call him to repent and bring him back to the truth. DLC is Christ's mouth house for you. 
It is the place where Christ comes to you by means of his word. We cannot, we cannot fool ourselves to think we don't need a place like this. We cannot fool ourselves to think we can manage the old neighborhood on our own. We cannot. We are far too weak. The Spirit is powerful. And He works by means of His Word to call you, gather you, enlighten you with His gift. He has made you Christ's own. He sustains you in that faith into life everlasting. And you gather here hear his word. Amen. We pray. We give you thanks for your word, Lord God, which is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We do pray, O Lord, that CLC would be a place of great humility, where we hear only your word, where we proclaim only your word, and where we trust only your word. Lord, may your word guide us in all truth, and may it give us the faith to trust in you all the days of our lives. Thank you for your faithfulness in your word. In Jesus' name, amen.